So some of us have heard about a great saint named Saint Therese, saint Therese of Lisieux. Uh, some other of us uh, have heard of the name, but not really familiar with her. But uh, St. Therese, when she was 15 years old, she decided to enter the Carmelite uh, convent. And so it was particularly young uh, for her age to join, so she had to get special permission. And at the age of 24, she died of tuberculosis. And in her spiritual journal, journal uh, she wrote an entry about a time when she was dying and she was uh, in her bed. She overheard a conversation uh, of, her fellow, of her fellow nuns right outside her window. And her sisters, what they were saying were essentially this. They were expressing concern, saying, we don't know what to put in her obituary. She has done nothing remarkable. She hasn't done anything of note. And yet this young girl, who in the eyes of many lived a very ordinary life, who, as her fellow nuns said, has done nothing remarkable, she is celebrated today as a great saint. One of the greatest saints of the church, in fact, has been elevated and given a great honor, being named one of the doctors of the church for a great contribution uh, to shedding light on our understanding of theology and the mystery of Christ. And so the question is, is how did that happen? How did this ordinary girl who died so young become and get uh, rose to the level of becoming a great saint? And I think that answer for all of us is very important. Because the church teaches us solemnly in the Second Vatican Council. It says, everyone belonging, everyone, whether belonging to the hierarchy or being cared for by it, is called to holiness. According to the saying of the apostle, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Therefore, the process by which she became holy is a relevant question for all of us because we too are called by the church for, this, uh, for holiness. We're all called to be saints, and we can't escape it. So what was her secret? See, the secret uh, lied in this time in her life where she had this great desire to be a saint, but she was deeply aware of her weakness. Right? She would say she's aware of her poverty, of her littleness. And she saw the great saints like St. Saint Francis of Assisi and St. Teresa of Avila. How all the great penances they performed, the fasting, mortification, great uh, heroic deeds of virtue, their long time spent in prayer, etc. And she knew that in her weakness that she couldn't really do a lot of those great deeds of the saints. So what did she do? She decided, and this is what is key, she decided to lean entirely on the love of God, which means two things. One, total dependence upon God's love for her sanctification and her conversion. And two, doing every small thing with great love of God in them. That meant that she would take advantage of every small action and sacrifice, whether it be a simple glance or a smile, whether it be a small act of suffering or act of patience, a simple chore or task she was assigned to. She would do it entirely for the love of God and relied on his love to do it. Now, for some of us, God's love is something that we tend to take the least seriously in the Christian life or is a thing that we take seriously last. And it could be for a couple reasons, either because it might not seem very practical to us or because we don't really have much an experience of it. The thing is, it's the love of God that is central in the Christian life. 
And here's why, just provide a few examples. One, the universal call to holiness, the call to be saints, which all of us again are called to, is defined by the church as the perfection of love. Love is also the heart of the gospel. For we hear in the gospel of John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. What God did for us on the cross uh, was out of love for us, and it was the greatest example of it. In fact, all the scriptures that pointed to Jesus is a, a God's love letter to all of humanity, showing how much God loved us and desired to save us. And it is by responding to what Jesus has done out of love for us in faith, and by loving him in return, is the way in which we find eternal life. Now, if we forget this point, I think it, uh, we can easily become like the Pharisee in today's gospel, where we take pride in what we do versus doing it out of love. And in fact, if we do take a look at the gospel right now, we see how the Pharisee is boasting in his fasting and his tithing. And he's thanking God, he's praying to God, but really, really speaking to himself, how he's not like the rest of humanity. And he's even saying out loud, as he's praying next to a tax collector, saying that I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector right next to me. And at the end of that parable, Jesus says that the Pharisee was praying in such a way, he leaves that prayer not justified, meaning not in right relationship with God. Why is that? The Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches us this, that Jesus is called to conversion and penance, like that of the prophets before him, does not aim first at outward works, sackcloth and ashes, fasting and mortification, but at the conversion of the heart, interior conversion. Without this, such penances remain sterile and false. However, interior conversion urges expression in visible signs, gestures, and works of penance. In other words, our works, what we do, is meant to reflect an, in, an equal interior disposition, right? In fact, what we do is a fruit of the disposition we have. Now, the Pharisee lacked that interior conversion of heart that results in such visible signs. And in fact, if we press deeper, he's missing something even more. Because we see that the cause of interior conversion is an experience of the love of God. And the Catechism teaches further. It is, in dis it is in discovering the greatness of God's love that our heart is shaken by the horror and weight of sin and begins to fear offending God by sin and by being separated from him. The human heart is converted by looking upon him whom our sins have pierced. It is the love of God that begets conversion. And it's this discovering the greatness of his love that spurs it forth. And so we see how there was no interior conversion in the heart of the Pharisee, and therefore no real love behind his works. His fasting and devotion, in other words, was false and sterile. But what about the tax collector? 
See, he showed signs of interior conversion. We see how Jesus explains the man was looking down upon the earth in a posture of humility to the Lord, beating his chest. And you hear his prayer, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now this tax collector, right? Uh, He says he walked away justified because of that. And let me tell you, it wasn't because of the deeds he has done. Right, a tax collector, uh, again, was seen right, in ancient Israel as a betrayer of the Israelite people because they were working for Rome, and Rome was the government, was the empire that was oppressing Israel. And also, tax collectors tended to overtax other people. And so they were seen as betrayers uh, and, and sinning for God and others. And yet, this tax collector and his prayer walked away justified. Why? Well, the scriptures doesn't say what prompted his repentance, what we know from truth in the catechism. It's the love of God that causes conversion. It was the love of God that motivated his prayer and repentance, saying, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And it was the mercy of God that forgave him his sin and made him righteous before God. In other words, It's all God's work of love. So for us, what we need to remember that the key to holiness, the key to sanctification and conversion is to totally depend upon God's love and mercy for us and do everything out of love for him. Now, for those who want to start doing this, those who want to start take the first steps uh, in doing exactly what St. Therese has done and what the church calls us to do, I recommend two things. The first is that in humility, we have to ask for more of God's love. See, God says in the gospel that God exalts uh, the lowly, the humble. Humility, it gives space for love in our life. Really, it allows us to uh, have our hands free and extended out towards God to receive everything he wishes to give us. And it is in that posture that we can have confidence Because God loves responding to the humble prayer for more of his love. And we can even see that in the scriptures today. In the first reading, it says, The prayer of the lowly pierces the clouds. It does not rest till it reaches its goal, nor will it withdraw till the Most High responds, judging justly and affirms the right, and the Lord will not delay. Now, who are the lowly? Right, according to the scriptures, the lowly are those who depend completely, totally on God to heal them, to save them, and to forgive them. So those who depend entirely on God and his love and their humility, their prayer pierces the clouds and does not withdraw until the Most High responds. And that is why St. Therese had such great confidence in God and such great confidence in her sanctification because she depended entirely on God's love. And she knew that if she asked for it, her prayer would not be left unanswered. Now guess what? All of us here, all of us benefit from great news because all of us through our baptism, we have complete access to the immense love of God. Since in baptism, we have received the Holy Spirit, which scripture tells us pours forth the love of God into our hearts. Which means then, 
That as we ask God for more of his love, essentially what we're asking is for more of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, like St. Therese, to depend entirely on God's love means totally surrendering to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. For again, Vatican Council, the Second Vatican Council solemnly says, this holiness, which is the perfection of love, this holiness of the church is unceasingly manifested and must be manifested in the fruits of grace which the Spirit produces in the faithful. So circling back around to that first point, the first step is reliance on God's love, asking for more of his love, which means surrendering more and more to the Holy Spirit in our life, giving him permission to transform us by his love. And then finally, the second thing is that we do everything out of love for God. St. John of the Cross says this, Christians should keep in mind that the value of their good works, fasts, alms, penances, and so on, is not based on quantity and quality so much as on the love of God practiced in them. Those two things are the secret sauce for our holiness. Now the question is, what motivates you in the Christian life? What underlies everything you do? Whether it's when you gather here in prayer uh, before mass worshiping the Lord, whether it's out back in your, in your sphere of influence in the secular world, what motivates what you do? Is it merely a sense of duty? Now don't get me wrong, duty is great, but we are called to so much more. So my challenge for all of you, for all of us, is to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Ask him for that grace, give him permission to transform you with his love. And then resolve with the help of the Holy Spirit to do everything out of love for God.